Welcome to Urgent Care. This is Minda Wilson. Um, my guest today is Suzanne Gordon, uh, an expert on healthcare and uh, on veteran affairs. And I'm very excited to talk to her. How, how did you get, you've, you've written many books on the topic of healthcare. Uh, you've written a lot about the VA. How did you get started in that area? What, what, why healthcare? Well, I, I kind of fell into it a long time ago um, by starting to write about nursing, and then that led me into writing about healthcare delivery and healthcare systems. And I started writing about the VA about five or six years ago, actually a little bit earlier because I was very intrigued by the transparency and accountability in the system, um, their commitment to patient safety and teamwork that I've written a lot about. And I was very curious about how a national health system that is really integrated um, can deliver care to um, what I eventually learned was a very, very complex patient population with problems that a lot of times we don't see in the civilian sector. And um, so I, about five years ago, I approached the VA and asked them if I could write a book about the VHA, the Veterans Health Administration, and they said yes. And so I began um, going around the country and actually going, talking to veterans, talking to caregivers, going into exam rooms and mental health sessions and homeless programs and legal programs and just looking at the, the incredible breadth and depth of um, the care that the Veterans Health Administration and the VA provides veterans. And so uh, there's a lot of negative publicity. So talk, talk to us about some of the great things that they're doing at the VA. Well, tragically, the, the American media focuses on the negative and on packed journalism and um, it's gotten a kind of uh, bone that, you know, it's chewing to the very bitter end. And while it's important to cover problems, it's also really important to be accurate and cover the innovations that the VA does. And the VA is like, unlike any other American healthcare system. I mean, we don't really have a healthcare system in the country. We have fragmented episodic care. And the VA delivers integrated care, and that doesn't only mean that a veteran can go from Boston to San Diego and find a VA facility and be cared for and, and, and also have his electronic medical record uh, transferred, unlike me, who, you know, where it took five months for me to get my records when I moved from Boston to San Francisco from my private sector doctor. Um, but the the care is integrated right down on the unit and practice level so a veteran can go see his primary care doctor and and say i feel um you know down or anxious or um i can having trouble sleeping and they won't just prescribe an ambien they'll take the veteran down the hall to a mental health professional who will treat the veteran on the spot it's called a warm handoff and um so rather than uh, having a referral put in a chart and giving the veteran saying you should make an appointment, which they may or might, may not do or they may or may not show up for. They have integrated primary and mental health care. They have a pharmacist on the unit who will help the veteran learn about taking their meds. They'll have a dietitian who will help with, with diet and exercise and all the social worker. Um, so they have just these incredibly integrated programs, which 
none of us who are in private sector healthcare, like myself, will ever experience because the system doesn't deliver that. So um, the VHA also is a big research powerhouse. Um, we have the VHA to thank for the shingles vaccine, the nicotine patch, um, and you know many, many other research developments that benefit not only veterans but all of us. And then the VHA is also a teaching institution. It teaches 70% of American physicians, many other healthcare professionals, most psychologists. Um, so it's just a huge and impressive healthcare system, which tragically, uh, lately, the, the media d- doesn't seem to be much interested in, in it at all. And, you know, uh, stories that would get no attention from the mainstream press and the Boston Globe or the New York Times uh, will routinely appear on front pages of the nation's newspapers, even though they might have to do with a tiny little rural hospital. And, I mean, again, um, you know, the the press should be reporting problems, but they've elevated these problems to represent an, an entire healthcare system with 1,700 different locations of care and, in fact, have, have reported not at all on the incredible innovations in suicide prevention and PTSD treatment and treating all kinds of exposures that veterans have had because of military service and on and on and on, addressing reducing veteran homelessness, helping uh, establishing a veterans court system that keeps veterans out of jail. Very little of this will be reported in the media. My own experience with them is that they really do try for innovation. Um, even though at a certain level there's sort of there's a dichotomy in the organization, the the caregivers, the care providers really do try for innovation, and on the administrative side they're sort of stuck in in the old in their old traditional ways. And so, but that's that's true of any large organization, don't well, you? Well, I mean, agree? you're always going to come up with, I mean, any large healthcare system and. More of our healthcare systems are now large because of consolidation. So you don't have standalone private hospitals anymore. I mean, the Beth Israel Hospital that I wrote about in Boston, you know, in the 90s no longer exists. It's been eaten up by partners, which has, you know, multiple hospitals. So if you're looking for some cozy little, you know, private hospital or cozy little private medical practice, you know, you're not going to find them very much in today's America. So mm-hmm. all innovation may be stymied by, you know, bureaucrats. I mean, I write about healthcare teamwork in private sector hospitals, and we have excellent models of team training that they will not go, you know, they will not uh, go near with a temple pole because it costs too much money, it takes too much staff time. Um, I'm really impressed by uh, for that was how I got to write about the VA because they actually put their money in researchers where their mouth is about teamwork and they have real team trainings and real team vehicles for teamwork and primary care practices. So, you know, I mean, it takes like, it takes about 17 years for a medical, proven medical or healthcare innovation to actually be implemented and put into practice. The VHA has actually cut time down in many of those areas. So I think we have a lot of bureaucratic problems at the top in in Washington, and they've been particularly exacerbated under Trump. Um, 
but um, at the local level, I mean, I see amazing innovations that are created at the VHA, and um, I mean, take pain treatment. I mean, my I have a very good friend who in, has very good private insurance. He's not a veteran. He has really bad back pain. He went to an orthopedic surgeon who looked at his x-ray and said, oh, you're not a candidate for surgery. Just live with the pain. Maybe try PT. Maybe try acupuncture. Goodbye. You're on your own. And if he were a veteran, he would have been put into an integrative pain program. He would have gone to pain classes that we know reduce perceptions of pain significantly and help enhance function. He would have gotten mindfulness meditation courses, yoga. I mean, it it would have been extraordinary. And basically, this kid is like, go live with it, is the message of the American healthcare system. The, you know, a really great hospital, quote unquote, and a really great surgeon, quote unquote. So I don't know. I, I think the VA has problems and most of those problems have to do with underfunding and understaffing and, and, and also a political system now that's taken over by right-wing Republicans who want to privatize the VA and who are completely uninterested in the kinds of innovations that, and care that the VA actually delivers and strengthening and improving those innovations. So why do you think there, the VA is so, um, is, it, is it just money or that makes the VA uh, able to offer these things money per patient relative to private care? What, what do you think the dif- difference right, is between what happens? that's a very good happens? question. The VA can deliver excellent care because it's a national system. So innovations at the local level like prim- integrated primary and mental health care go national eventually. Um, teamwork, uh, the, what's called the patient-aligned care team model, the PAC team model, can go national. Um, palliative care can go national because it's a national system. You don't have to convince, you know, 6,000 separate private sector hospitals to do X, Y, or Z. Plus, it's fee-for-service. I mean, it's not fee-for-service. Sorry, it's not fee-for-service. So there's a huge amount of savings um, one out of seven dollars in the private sector system goes for unnecessary treatment, which causes harm, not good. In the VA, everybody's on salary. There's no incentive to give unnecessary care because you're not being paid for it. Um, and plus, you have just an incredible sense of mission um, and an understanding of veterans' very specific problems because all they treat are veterans. There's no incentive for a private sector doctor to learn about veterans if out of 2,000 patients he has 10 or even 100 who are veterans. But if everybody you treat is a veteran, then you better learn about burn pit exposures and how to recognize, you know, the difference between Agent Orange-related diabetes and regular old type 2 diabetes. Um, You better learn how to recognize the difference between you know, PTSD and insomnia just because you're, like, worried about stuff. I mean, I have a friend who's a veteran, Vietnam veteran, who goes went to private sector health care. He had retired. He had been treated for PTSD in the VA. Um, and uh, then 
everything was fine, and then he suddenly retired, and it all came back, and he went to a private sector primary care doc and said, I'm having trouble sleeping, and I'm having nightmares, and the guy prescribed Ambien. And he didn't even know that this was a Vietnam veteran because they don't even ask that question, are you a veteran, in most private sector practices. Then he finally went to the VA, and now he's in treatment, and he's fine. That's sort of a, an interesting discussion, too, because then what's the burden on the patient to, to tell the important things? I mean, you know, what should the patient have disclosed that and let him know he was a veteran, that he'd been treated and, you know, it's up all to that. a provider who's an expert to ask the right questions. It's not up to the patient to tell people what's relevant. They may not know what's relevant. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I also think that if you've had cancer and you don't disclose it, the doctor's not going to know unless you tell them. So there's, you know, there's a burden on both parties. They're not going to assume that you've been a veteran and they're not going to assume that you haven't. So, you know, that's what I'm saying is like the interesting thing about this is, is the burden of communication. And, and that's one of the things that you're talking about is that the VA is not doing a good job of communicating all its innovations. It's, 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 isn't it the patient's responsibility to sort of communicate their medical history to the physician that they're, uh, and, and tell them the relevant parts of their medical history or. Well, I think that often patients don't know what's relevant and what isn't. And so I think it's the responsibility of, healthcare providers to ask the right questions and um, the various people who are veterans advocates have tried for years to get physicians to ask people if they've served in the military and then to ask more details about that service and physicians have ignored that advice and because it takes time and in the private sector most primary care providers have 10 or 15 minutes, whereas in the VA, they have an hour or 30 minutes. So because the um, number of patients in their caseloads in the VA are lower because the patients are so complex. So I think that um, it's really important for private sector providers, if they want veteran patients, to learn about military culture, to learn about what exposures in the military uh, are relevant, um, and sadly, there, there are a number of studies that show that private sector providers are not willing to spend even a minimal amount of time doing that, even though um, they say they want veteran patients and they're quite happy to take the money, taxpayer money, to care for those patients. So I think that if private sector providers want to take care of veterans, that they should be required to go through the same kind of training that VA providers, VHA providers go through. So I think that's an interesting point is that, you know, VHA providers have special training. It's like being a specialist in a certain area. You know, if you're a, if you're a orthopedist, you've gone through special training. If you're a gynecologists, you've gone through special training, and veterans in their own way have special needs, special requirements for which people are are trained to deal with at the VA. So in that sense, um, one of the one of the problems with you know, sort of privatizing the VA is sort of taking away that's that, that specialist that from them, taking away exactly. access to that. 
That is entirely correct, and that's what's happening now. And another big problem is veterans have many more mental health problems and behavioral health problems problems than the average civilian patient. And what's in the private sector, you can fire patients. You can fire them if they don't follow a treatment regimen. You can fire them if they don't take their meds. You can fire them if they're you know, act out or are quote-unquote disruptive. You can't do that in the VA, and we're hearing a lot of reports of veterans who've gone to private sector practices and have gotten frustrated and have acted out, and they've literally been fired, and there's no alternative for them. Um, The VA has all kinds of programs to deal with patients who are quote-unquote disruptive, um, and, um, you know, there's some veterans, very few, who are actually a danger to themselves and others. And um, that's also not something the private sector healthcare system is prepared to deal with. Exactly. So it just makes no sense that you would, you would try to, and, and, and it's not just mental health, it's wound care. I mean, you know, they're, they're, Military wounds, wounds obtained in battle require long-term specific care that is not available to the general public. Um, You know, Agent Orange, certain health-related issues from being exposed to chemicals, certain certain injuries like uh, concussive injuries that have happened to the brain. Uh, All those, you know, the, the VA sees not just one, not just two, but hundreds, thousands of those kinds of injuries, and they're expert at treating them. Yeah, and, and they're also dedicated to researching them and finding out about them. So um, we found out about Agent Orange, and we found out about PTSD and burn pit exposure in Iraq and Afghanistan because hundreds of veterans reported symptoms, and then people on the basis of thousands of patients, even millions, put together profiles, and then they could treat them. Sometimes Congress, it took a lot of fighting from veterans groups and people inside the VA to get those injuries and wounds of war recognized and treated. But if you have a private sector system in which veterans are just scattered all over the place, you're not, we're going to lose a lot of information about the latest problem that veterans experience um, and that'll be really tragic and hurt veterans not help them so what so in order to continue to support our uh, our warriors what can we do to advocate for uh, a stronger VA what can be done yes that's that's so important um, I think that veterans their families uh, Members of the public should be calling their congressional representatives and asking them um, to better fund and staff the VHA. I work with a group called the Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute, which is looking at ways to improve care at the VA. Um, and basically, we have veterans need to, to tell Congress, stop privatization, and to understand that privatization isn't just selling off uh, VA property, you know, and auctioning and firing everybody. Privatization is what they're doing right now under the VA Mission Act, with, which outsources care. The VA Mission Act isn't funded, so every dollar for outsourced care um, in the private sector comes from the VA budget. 
veterans have been convinced that you know they that they should be for choice, but they all say their number one choice is the VA. So if you have a, a, a mission act and a, a number of other things that Congress and the president are doing that steal money from the VA, then you're not going to have your first choice after a number of years. It's going to be starved and it'll wither on the vine. And we can stop that and we can stop that now. So um, I, I agree with you. There needs to be a plan for, uh, you know, like certain things. I, I can understand where, uh, you know, like gynecology, for example, obstetrics, you know, that may not be a specialty, you know, designed for the VA. But these other things, you know, you can't, you, if, you, if you do scatter, you're going to lose your expertise, right? So you have to be able to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Right. I mean, the VA has always used care in the community for things it doesn't provide. And, and we should continue that. But basically what they're doing now is they're trying to outsource things that they do provide and that they provide better than the private sector. And yes. so I think we have to keep this national health care system. We, we, we have to fight efforts to cut eligibility for, and we have to fight efforts to outsource more and more care. I mean, between 2014 and 2017, the budget in the VA for outsourced care increased by 49%, and the budget for in-house care to, um, increased by 9%. Right. That's unacceptable. Right, and, and the reason, it, and it has a lot to do with messaging. It has to, a lot to do with the fact that they're, they're saying that, you know, the the VA is not uh, doing a good job taking care of patients. There's long waiting times. There's uh, homelessness. There's opioid dependency, and they're not really doing anything about it. Um, these are better treated in the private sector. Gynecology, obstetrics, uh, there's a list of services that they say are better off handled in the private sector. And, and, the, and the truth is that's all messaging, and, and it's not really accurately describing, as you point out, what happens inside the VA. Right. So, it's, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, mess, it's just negative propaganda, and it's completely <laughs> accurate, you know. And it's, it's um, I think it's based on ideology. Um, people who, like the Koch brothers, who, the conservative Koch brothers, who, they're not really conservative, they're, they're libertarian, um, and they just don't like government, and um, they want to, to tear down um, government programs that work, and then there are people who want to benefit from uh, the taxpayer dollar that goes to the VA, and they want that to go to the private sector. I mean, they've done analyses that show that if you treated 60% of veterans in the private sector, it would cost four times as much as treating them in the VA, and they would get inferior quality of care. Right. And that's, and that's the message that needs to be out there. So exactly. again, it's the issue, it's the issue of messaging. Why aren't, why isn't, why isn't the appropriate messaging being delivered? Because if you're, all you're hearing is, is negative information and you're not hearing the positive economic information and the level of care and the things that you talk about, to me, that's, that's, that's really one of the biggest failures of the institution is they're not properly touting their own horn. So how can we get that done? I mean, well, what the VA has hardly any budget for PR. Um, 
the the the, the average hospital spends about a million dollars on um, marketing, uh, and the VA spends a pittance. Um, there's usually one or two PR staff at a large medical center. Um, everything has to be vetted. The, every national story has to be vetted in Washington, and there's no uh, appetite in Washington under the Trump administration uh, to tell a good story about the VA because uh, the president and, and his cronies would like to privatize it. So I think it's up to journalists to get the story right, and it's up to veterans and their families and veteran service organizations um, to be lobbying Congress to make sure that this Mission Act uh, and the VA Accountability Act and a number of other things uh, are not going to kill the VA. And um, I think veterans need to educate themselves about the VA. And most veterans who are treated in the Veterans Health Administration like it. But the negative PR has convinced them that their VA is good and the VA down the street or in the next state isn't, and that's not correct. So I think veterans really need to inform themselves and read, hopefully, my book, Wounds of War, and other things uh, that tell the story correctly because, um, because we are getting a lot of bad news coverage out of Washington, out of uh, mainstream media, and certainly Fox News is just devoted to telling terrible stories about the VA and is not interested in accuracy at all. Right. But what I mean, my own experience in working with them is that, you know, again, there there's the the fault really lies in the in the administrative part of it where people are like with, you know, issues related to the implementation of of, you know, the e, the Cerner EMR system where they've spent billions of dollars and had no success, right? Which has been a total waste of money because you could have spent that money on care. Absolutely, so, and that was a that was a ideological decision to go with the private sector that was pushed by Congress and pushed by the administration. Both right, but that was an Obama, Obama that was an Obama yeah, administration. Decision. Right, I think a lot of Democrats are woefully ignorant about the VHA, and also they're you know kind of pro. Uh, stealth privatization. So the educational effort on the part of veterans and people who care about veterans and people like yourself who care about health care in general and health care reform, I mean, it's not just Republicans that need to be targeted, it's Democrats. Right, right. And that's that's the other point is that people... People don't realize that um, it's it's not just the Republicans that are interested in privatizing it. It's a Democratic problem issue as well, and Absolutely. that they're spending and that by spending the the billions of dollars on uh, things like administrative services like the Cerner EMR, we're we're uh, we're moving away from supporting direct health care, and um, that's a problem. One of the points that I continue to pound is that in private sector, uh, administration has climbed from one out of every six dollars uh, in the 1980s to now it's one out of every three dollars that in revenue is spent by hospitals on administration, and that includes and the, and we're moving that way by adopting organ Cerner EMRs and. Uh, sort of privatized equivalent 
uh, regulatory procedures, you're moving the VA that way too, which makes it even more expensive to operate and reduces the efficiencies by uh, only providing direct care and reducing the administrative burden. And that's why the VA actually is so successful is because the administrative burden is significantly less than in a private sector hospital or a public hospital. Absolutely. So, yeah, so, they're not spending all this money on, I mean, you the, the average director of a large VA medical center may make, I don't know, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars compared to, you know, a CEO of a, of a private sector hospital who's making a million or 15 million. I mean, really? And, and they're dealing with less complex patients. And um, uh, it's just, is that where you want your healthcare dollar to go into marketing and CEO salaries? No. I don't. And, that, and that's, and, and also, but do you want it to go into uh, the $15 billion for a new EMR system that, that isn't being implemented and doesn't work? Do you exactly. want it? And- Right, and, and and we know it won't work, and I completely agree with you. They they had the best EMR, they healthcare, IT, information technology in the country in the Vista, and they're instead of fixing it in house and modernizing it in house, they're doing exactly what you said, and that's a complete waste of money. Right, and the, and it's not just that; it's just other administrative requirements that are being imposed that are, were not imposed in the past and all that's costing billions of dollars and, you know, and a billion dollars is a lot of doctors. It's a lot of healthcare. It's a lot of surgery. It's a lot of follow-up. It's a lot of nurses. It's a lot of people that can be there to provide quality care for patients. And, and so I feel that, you know, that's where the, the problem is. It's not, it's not that these organizations don't have the money. It's just being directed in a way that doesn't enhance the level of patient care. And, exactly. And that's... Right. And it leads to underfunding care and understaffing. Right. And, and that's not that they, they... And those problems are not a result of the budget for the VA itself. It's just a, a problem of where the money's being directed. You know, as I said, if you don't, if you didn't give Cerner three billion dollars up front uh, for their EMR system, that money would have gone. That was part of the VA budget, and it would have gone directly to care. So, right, and if you, and if you were dedicating forty nine percent of your budget to outsource care, you know, and nine percent to in house care, I mean, then you're not getting good care, and you're having delays and so forth. So it's a question of uh, I mean, whether, you know, it's a question of maldistribution of resources and also, I mean, in the Mission Act, if you want to fund outsource care, then you have to have it funded from a different pot. And if you take it from the VA, then you're going to kill the VA and you're going to reduce care and cause delays in the VA. Okay, so how do we get the message out? I mean, it's clear that they're an innovative, amazing organization. What do we do to publicize that fact? Is there anything well, people know? I think know? veterans uh, and, and healthcare reform activists, I mean, a lot of liberals and progressives who are fighting for healthcare reform don't know very much about the VA, and they should learn more. Um, people need to call Congress and say, you know, stop. 
veterans and other people need to talk to the media and reach out to the media. I mean, really tragically under Trump, you're, you have no appetite in the VA central office for promoting um, what the VA does that's good. And um, so I think that uh, it's really the responsibility of the American media to look at the studies. There's study after study showing the superiority of VA care or that VA care is equal to or superior to that in the private sector. I mean, the media is, it's, it's the responsibility of the media to find, to do balanced reporting, and they're not doing it. Um, I think veterans really need to be calling Congress who have been helped by the VA uh, and saying, you know, don't privatize our VA. There's a, there's a campaign that a group called Veterans for Peace has launched, which is a, a don't privatize, stop VA privatization campaign. Um, uh, there's a lot of work uh, done by traditional veteran service organizations like the Vietnam Veterans of America who are warning about some of the shortcomings in the Mission Act. Um, uh, again, this group, Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute, is doing work on the real issues in veterans' health care and how veterans' health care can be improved. So I think there's a lot of action out there. It just needs more support and more people really lobbying Congress. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the November elections, if the Demo if there's more Democrats in Congress, they need to be educated uh, about the VHA. Uh, Republicans uh, need to be stopped from uh, doing what they're trying to do. They say they love veterans. Well, put your money where your mouth is, you know. Um, I mean, the reality is, Linda, even though there's some money being maldistributed, the VHA still is underfunded, and the VBA, the Veterans Benefit Administration, which decides what benefits veterans get, is chronically underfunded and understaffed. Hmm. So, if people want to learn more about this, how do they uh, how do they contact you, and how do they get your book? So, Wounds of War is available on Amazon and bookstores. Um, you can go to my website, www.suzannegordon.com. Um, I have stuff on there all the time about veterans' health issues and broader health issues. Um, you can go to the Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute, which is www.vhpi.org. So there's lots of ways to learn about it. Well, Susan, it's been very interesting talking to you. I appreciate your time, and I hope you'll come back and, and we'll be able to talk more. Absolutely. Is- I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. This is Minda Wilson for Urgent Care.